Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Last week, I gave you a homework assignment. Go play Manhunt. Who played Manhunt? Huh? Two people? Three people? Four people? Seriously. Wow. We're in trouble. We are in trouble. Oh, Lord, help us. But think about that. That was not just a, hey, clever conclusion to the service. That was a call that we have for this year. Amen? Do I get an amen? You know I'll wake you up. I'll come down here. Right? So... Here's what we're going to do. We are going to continue in our study on God's DNA, that which makes up the heart of God. And if it makes up the heart of God, then it's supposed to make up the church. Do I get an amen for that, right? Our heart needs to be centered on the heart of God. So let's have a little, let's have a little fun. So whenever you watch television for the last 40, year, 40 years, and I'll be 50 in a month. I can't believe that. For the last 40 years, we see all of us have seen on television this theme about community. So let me share different shows. How many of you loved Seinfeld? Any Seinfeld friends out there? Do I have the picture of the, there should be a picture of them up there? No? Didn't work. Okay. So Seinfeld. What about friends? That's as much as I'm going to do from stage, right? Friends, right? So Seinfeld. Friends, you kind of walk through. Do I get a shout out for the office? Yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. And then, what about Parks and Rec? Anyone love Park, Parks and Rec? I got to be honest, out of all the shows, my favorite, our favorite, which we didn't think we were going to like, was Parks and Rec. Now, now, think about this. Everybody wanted a friend like Kramer, or better said, everybody has a friend like Kramer, right? You know that one person that, like, you're always a little bit sketchy hanging out with. Or Chandler, right? Chandler walks in the room always all crazy. Okay, and what about this? You always want to find that, that couple like Pam and Jim, right? Come on. So I got to tell you, when Pam and Jim fell in love, one of our children cried. They literally cried. The wedding of Pam and Jim, one of our boys, and I'm not going to say which one, literally wept. And when the office ended, he came into our room like someone was hit by a car. He's like, it's over. I mean, that's how deep this was going into his bloodstream and his DNA. But then everybody wants to live in Pawnee, right? Parks and Rec, that, that crazy little town called Pawnee. But there's something there that we see even before Seinfeld, this desire for community. This longing to be able to, to, to be known, this longing to fit in, this finding that space, right? Think about cheers, going back even further. Sometimes you want to go where? Where everybody knows your name, right? You want that place. You want that place. You want to walk in and know others and be known. And as we look at this, what we see is this striving for something that's even deeper than Seinfeld, deeper than The Office, deeper than Parks and Rec, relationships that are even more valuable than that which you saw on Friends. And when we look at Scripture, 
There's something special about the Christian community, the gospel community, that I believe that the world is constantly creating these shows to try to touch on the heart of God. But when you have certain components missing, they miss the heart of God for what true community is. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to talk about gospel community. Because when we started this church 14 years ago, 14 years ago, our whole purpose and desire was to create a gospel-centered community. September 14th, this past week, was our 14-year anniversary. And for 14 years, yes, we can clap, right? For 14 years, a small little group of people fought for gospel community that now has grown into a place where there weren't, there's not just two communities, but there's over 26 communities that are meeting throughout Bergen and Passaic County. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. And I want to ask you for, for a special impartation service. And God, I know what I'm saying, but, but here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you impart into our community the ability to be community this year better than any other year we have lived in community together? And God, I know there's some groups out there that, that do this in such a beautiful, magnificent way. I know there's some groups that struggle with it. I know there's some people that are apprehensive of it. But God, I just put the stake in the ground saying that this year, more than any other year, we will run after the heart of God, which is being community as your gospel people. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually walk through three different movements of scripture. That's what I want to do with you this morning. We're going to walk through three different movements of scripture. And if you are one of our leaders that were at our training, be like, you just taught on this last week. I did. Because what I want to do is I want to put out there for our people what you, the leaders, are saying yes to. What you, the leaders, are saying yes to, and we as a church would engage with together. So when you open your Bibles and you turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is what Jesus says. He says, I've been given all authority. How much authority? All authority. That means all authority on earth and in heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of the age. What's the one key word that goes all the way through that passage? All. All authority. All nations for all time. And so Jesus gathers his disciples, and this is right before he goes to sit next to the Father. Now, I said this last week, but I need to say it again. This is the second time that he gave this specific charge. It's not the first time. We often look at scripture and say, oh, we only gave the great commandment once. He did it in the beginning of his ministry, 
And now he's doing at the end of his ministry. When he appointed the apostles, he gave this very same commandment, and now he's doing it again. He's reminding them of the mission that the Father sent him on and the mission he's inviting and sending them on as well. So, God has always been on mission. Do you know that? God has always been on mission. Go back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve decided to play hide-and-seek on God, God went and played manhunt. And he went to find them and rescue them. And all throughout humanity, God has been on a journey reaching humanity that they would be able to be known by him. And when people get to know God, they're contagious. They're contagious. And they have this burning desire that the hope that they possess would be given to others. I mean, think about Abraham. Abram who became Abraham. God sent Abram out to rescue the world. Not just some people, but all people. Remember, Abram was far from God. And then you see Moses, when the people of Israel were stuck, God sent Moses to rescue them. Go all the way throughout Scripture. And then you come to Jesus, the ultimate act of mission. God sent Jesus to rescue all of humanity. Not some of humanity, not a few people, a few people, but all people. Every single person in this room, Jesus died for. Amen? Amen. Every friend and neighbor you have that is either at the soccer field or sleeping or drinking a really good cup of coffee right now, Jesus died for. Amen? Amen. Right? Do we believe that? Do we act on that? And so, God's mission invites Christ's followers to see their neighbors and neighborhoods differently. Christ's followers need to see their neighborhoods and neighbors differently as places where the mission of Jesus is to be lived out. Do you realize that? I chose Wyckoff. No, you did not. God chose Wyckoff for you. I chose that for Saddle River. No, you did not. God handpicked you to live in Upper Saddle River to look at your neighbors and your neighborhoods differently because of the hope that you possess. Do you get that? Do you live like that? Here's two questions that we've been asking about from day one at the plant. Day one at the plant. One, what is God up to in our neighborhoods and communities? And two, what is God calling us to do? You see, sometimes I think we hide behind the Bible. What do you mean? I think sometimes we hide behind the Bible and find reasons why we do not do the things that God calls us to. God was always about gathering and scattering. The early church, Ephesus, Colossae, the church in Rome. There was never this holy huddle that kept people out, but rather the people of God, the disciples of Jesus, the people of God, even before Jesus, were always asking what's God up to in our neighborhoods and what are we called to do about it. Think about that. 
Do you actually believe that God has something bigger than just showing up to church and hearing Pastor Rob preach when it comes to the gospel? Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that, that God has invited you to be part of the mission of God? God has a mission to make the kingdom of God present through Jesus and his disciples. God has a mission to make the gospel present, tangible, holdable, real, through the presence of Jesus, through you, his disciples. And when we see that, what we do is we allow ourselves to be part of the mission of God. You see, here's where the church world has us all wrong. The church is not the mission. The mission has a church. Would you all say that with me? The church is not the mission. The mission has a church. What do I mean? What makes up the church? The people of God. Never once was the church identified as a building throughout all of biblical history. But rather, it was the gathering of people. It was the gathering of people. The ecclesia, the church. That's the Greek word, ecclesia. What separates the church from other things, and that's the next point. It's the gospel. The mission is not to build a church. The church has been given a mission to make Christ known. All of Jesus, all of Jesus for all people, not some people, but all people. So I'm looking around the room. Some of you are from suffering, and there's a community called the Hasidic Jews, right? People who are very, very direct. They will ignore you. They will walk by you. They will do everything to avoid you. The only thing you want, and this is a true statement, if you live in that area, is to buy your house, correct? That's what they want to do. And yet, in the midst of all of this, Jesus has called you guys, yes, I'm pointing to you back there, to be gospel present, even for that community. I love that about the birds. The birds are always, meaning Warren and Michelle, not the birds that fly around, <laughs> Warren and Michelle are always reaching out to their Hasidic community. Why? Because Jesus came for them. And if we want to get really biblical, he came for them first. That's what it says. First the Jews, then the Gentiles. Right? Do we want to be really biblical? So if you live in suffering, your calling's more. Right? Think about that. But it's true. That's what the scripture says. But what are we on mission for? What are we on mission for? This is what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Do we believe this gospel message? Thank you. Do we believe this gospel message? Have you been released? Are you living in a place of oppression? Have you even made yourself vulnerable so that the power of God could be displayed in your life 
and in other people's lives. Because Jesus says, this is what the gospel is. I've come to release the oppressed. I've come to heal the sick, make the blind see, and that the Lord's favor would be on how many people? All people. Come on, world. It's all for you. And God wants his favor to rest on everybody. The word gospel simply means good news. How is Jesus your good news? How is Jesus your good news? How is he your good news? He's my good news because you know what he did to me? He gave me a massive do-over. Start fresh. That's my good news. What's your good news? My good news is when my life failed because I chose to allow my life to fail, God said, in the words of the Holy Spirit, I'm giving you a do-over. That's my good news. What are you going to do about it? The good news is the message that God desires to release people from oppression, bring healing to the sick, and allow for God's favor to be upon all humanity. The fourfold gospel, this is what we believe about Jesus, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Coming King. Jesus has come to rescue the world from damnation. I know we don't like talking about that, but there is a heaven and a hell. There is a place of eternity that we are going to go left or right, and I want to go right. Jesus came to bring sanctification. What does that mean? He came to bring life transformation, that the old person's gone, the new has come. No matter who you are, Jesus wants to bring spiritual rebirth. Jesus is healer. Yes, he still heals today. He still heals today. He's the same God who created the world that lives and breathes and moves throughout creation. And Jesus will return. He will return. He will return. That sounds kind of cultic. No, it sounds kind of biblical. It's why there's a book called Revelations. The last book we avoid. He's coming, and he's coming for a very good reason, that there's no more sin, there's no more pain, there's no more shame, and there's fullness of favor from God. Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. God's an inclusive and exclusive God. He's inclusive that all are welcome. Amen. <laughs> Yet, he's exclusive, meaning there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's the church we stand on. On Christ the rock, solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So how are we distributing the good news to those inside and outside our church? Leaders, this is why you're here. Every one of you is here for a reason. You know what my job is as the pastor? You know what Pastor Jeremy's job has been up until October 2nd? is that our job is twofold. Be present in crisis and equip you to do the work of the gospel. Our job is not to hold your hand. Our job is not to just kind of show up to be your magic genie. That's not who we are. Our job is to equip you to know Christ and make him known and in the middle of crisis that we are there to be present for you. That's the role of what it says in scripture of the shepherd. 
And so we see that there was a mission. And the mission was centered that the whole world would experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Not your gospel, but his gospel. But yet you are part of his gospel narrative. How are we distributing the good news to those inside and outside the church? Leaders, this is the biggest, most important thing you can do. I have conversations with men and women in our church, high-powered individuals, people that do a lot of good for this world, people that when they walk into a room, they are known by many. If you look them up on the internet, they have very powerful titles. And I tell them specifically, that is your gospel vehicle. God has placed you in that corporation or in that bank or in that place of influence to be able to make his name known. Because there are broken people in your businesses. Do I get an amen? Right? There are broken people. Because we are all broken. All of us. And Jesus just puts us back together again. And so we see that Jesus was on mission. And his mission was to spread his message. And here's what he did. He invited others to go along with him. Others to go along with him. It's like when we started the plant 14 years ago. Sue and Rob and Omar and Carrie, we love you guys. We said, let's find those who want to run after Jesus. Let's find those who want to reach their neighborhoods. And ask the question, what's God up to? It was amazing. You should have seen how many people responded. Like 20-something. <laughs> it was so depressing. <laughs> because we challenged them. Are you willing to love your neighbor as yourself? Are you willing to ask the hard question? And we started doing this in community in a way that mirrored the heart of God. I mean, there's still a few of you left. Eddie, Jeff. <laughs> there's a few of us left, a few of us standing, but look what God's done. Look what God's done. Look what God's done. You see, this is what happened in Acts. Remember, there was 12. 12 turned into 72. 72 turned into 144. And then Jesus just, like, blew up his own mission. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. That's not a way the way you grow a church. You don't say those things, Jesus. You know better, right? But the mission grew and grew, and it was like an accordion. <laughs> Jesus dies, and those who saw him said, he's coming back. And they met in a room. And everything Jesus promised happened. The spirit of the Lord fell, and the place shook and was lit on fire. And all of a sudden, this is what happened. Those 12 turn into thousands overnight. Thousands. Do you know that? Paul preaches, and over a thousand people in a moment come to Christ because their hunger. 
All the believers devoted themselves, Acts chapter 2, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. What did they share? Everything. Hopefully not toothbrushes though, right? There's certain things you don't share with people. Share everything but certain things. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. Matter of fact, the church was so lit on fire. There was a man named Barnabas, a wealthy man that saw the move of God and says, I want to see this go even further than Jerusalem. And he took his lot of property and he sold it with no strings attached. And he said, take it for kingdom movements. And he sold it and he gave it to the church. And the church just went on fire. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship, added to their friendships, added to their group, those who were being saved. There was no building to be found. It's what I loved about the first nine and a half years of the church. We didn't have a building. And yet God added to our numbers because community is what it was centered on. Now we have a place that's our hub. This is a hub. It's a hub to train you and equip you, to empower you and to send you out. And the Lord added to their fellowship, to the gathering of people. And so when you look at scripture, this is what the early church was. It was a healing community and a loving community. It was a healing community and a loving community. A healing community meaning this, allowing for authenticity to flourish, creating safe environments of acceptance, forgiveness, healing, and hope. Are we that safe place? Healing communities provide a place where people carry each other's burdens. Each other's burdens. Our groups should be places of celebration and a place where we carry each other's burdens. We should know each other's stuff. We should know each other's baggage so that Jesus can bring healing in the midst of it. Healing communities founded on the overwhelming love of God through the tangible proclamation of the reconciling work of Christ. It's not healing in us. It's healing through us because of the work that Jesus has already performed in us. Amen? Right? We need to be a healing community. We need to be that place that believes in authenticity, transparency. Come as you are. Come as you are. Let the Holy Spirit do his work, not the work that you want done in other people. Please. And the fruit of the Spirit is patience. A healing community. But if we're ever going to be a healing community, it must be a loving community as well. And the word hospitality in Greek is the love of strangers. If you looked around this room right now, most of you never knew each other before you came to the plants. You know that? You had inclinations. Inclinations. So I look around the room and I knew the Spolsters at another church, right? I knew the Hosiers from seminary, college, right? I'm trying to look around the other room, the room. Anyone else that I really knew? I knew some of you from Cornerstone, a few of you. 
The only person I really knew was Mike and Anna. That's all we really knew. Childhood friend. Two guys far from God, and by God's grace, the Holy Spirit transformed our life. Amen? And yet, our love for one another in this room is beautifully diverse, even when we were all strangers. Amen? I actually have two of my old youth group kids that come to the plant now. That's pretty cool. A loving community, hospitality, true hospitality is loving those who you do not know. Do you know that's what true hospitality is? Loving those who you do not know. Can you love the stranger? Can you love the stranger? Can you love your crazy neighbor? We all got them. We all got them. And you know what? They think you're the crazy neighbor. I mean, think about it. Think about it. The early church's hospitality was not limited to insiders, but was open to all who would be welcomed into it. I talked to a local church pastor, and I'm like, man, there's so many good things going on, but people just can't fit in. I'm like, how is there so many good things going on if they don't fit in? Yeah, it's almost like there's like we're, we're getting to this place where like we're this insular community, and people are hearing about this great thing, but we're so insular that, that we're missing the mark. Plant family, please do not miss the mark. Do not miss the mark. Do not miss the mark. The, the rhetorical question the church must ask is, who is your neighbor? And the answer is, everybody. So, there's an enemy out there. Yeah, it's Satan, right? It's more than that. This is what Satan does. Community's enemy is twofold. Individualism and consumerism. Individualism saturates American culture to the point that we no longer recognize it. Amen? We don't recognize it. Who's selfish in the room? Raise your hand. Seriously, you're all selfish. You're all selfish. Individualism tells us we can become more like Jesus by ourselves. That's a lie. That's the lie. Right there. Through a self-help program or more effort. Really? Seriously? You ever talk to someone struggling with addiction? Is there ever that day that you're fully free? Yes, in Jesus. And God puts a community around you to walk you through that journey of learning to live in your freedom. But it's more than that. Consumerism points a person in the direction that, the life, is, that life is all about me, myself, and that which benefits my own personal gain. How have you seen consumerism and individualism attack your individual walk with Christ? You want to know the proudest moment of the plant? It wasn't at a celebration. It wasn't at like the end of the year or a baptism. It was during the season of COVID. During the season of COVID when we were all online and no one knew what was going on, our church did not scatter. Our church gathered. I mean, if I were to ask you, and you were a part of this church family, how many calls you got from people that you didn't even know that were checking up on you? Think about how many things you were invited into. Think about those moments when, when most people just kind of ran away and just kind of hid in their houses. We said, uh-uh, we're gathering because we're a loving and healing community. Think about just using Stephen Holly as an example, who were baptized. 
They came to the plant three weeks before COVID, and they were discipled all throughout COVID. That's a pretty cool thing. You see, what happens is, is when we allow, and I'm going to wrap this up in, in just one second. When we allow ourselves to be on mission with Jesus in community because of the gospel work in our lives, when these three are working together, we touch heaven. We touch heaven here on earth. We touch heaven here on earth. When you hear stories of life transformation, or you see a stories of, of e even today, Hands of Hope, right? Today you guys will be going out to Patterson right after the service. Every Sunday, a group led by Grace and her team leave this service. They purposely come to the first service, and they leave and they go to Patterson to feed the homeless and speak about Jesus. They touch heaven every single Sunday. Every time you choose to allow the gospel message which transform your life and you're doing this in community with one another, you make the gospel tangible. Every single time. And it's time that we start touching the gospel on a regular basis. Amen? Because people aren't doing this. And when you stand before the throne of God, all he's going to say is, how was the mission? And you just need to say, it's the greatest part of my life. Greatest part of my life. So, when the church functions in God's DNA, we see the kingdom of God become a reality. When we function in God's DNA, we see the kingdom of God become a reality. How many of us want to see the kingdom of God become a reality? Right? Can we stop faking it until we make it? Could this be this year? For you to be part of God's DNA, this is my challenge. And this is a big challenge. And if you've known me, whether I was at Cornerstone or at the plant or even before Cornerstone, which Mike has known me forever... You have to be with other followers of Jesus. Amen? We have to engage in relationship with one another. We have to learn to be more vulnerable than anyone else in the room. Because when we are vulnerable, we allow the power of God to show up and bring major transformation to our lives. I look at my life, and I see this crazy work of the gospel. Because she's one of the most vulnerable human beings I've ever met on the face of this earth. We must allow the gospel to bring healing and reconciliation. We must allow Jesus to be all of Jesus for all of us. We must do this in a place of community that we're learning to trust one another. And I love what our good friends told us last week, that there are many people suffering from church PTSD. Let the plant be your healing home. Let the plant be your healing home. And let's allow the DNA of God and be a gospel community together. Amen? 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 Amen. Let's do this. And Jesus 
Take your communion cup with you. Did you all receive one? And Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he shared in a meal. And I love what it says in Matthew 28, that they did this repeatedly, all the time. And he took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Break the bread. Break the bread. Jesus broke his body so that we would have healing. By his stripes, we are healed. Let's eat the body of Christ together. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. The what covenant? The new covenant. There's a new covenant. And the covenant is based that in Jesus, through Jesus, we are given the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we can do this together. We can do this together. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Satan does not win. Amen? Jesus wins. Jesus wins. These are really a pain to open up, aren't they? <laughs> Just pretend that you drink it. No, I couldn't say that. Put a little penhole or something in it. But think about that. Jesus wins. The devil doesn't win. And you know what? We're going to go down swinging. Because every time we learn to swing, we know how to hit them a little harder. Amen? Come on. It's college football season. Right? Seriously. The greatest team on the earth is not Alabama. Pastor Rob said that? Yeah. The greatest team on the earth is the church. And it's time. We take off the enemy's head. Let's drink together. That was the most bizarre communion service I've ever done. <laughs> but that's the joy of it. That's the joy of it. Plant family. Let's be that gospel community. Holy Spirit, come. Release your presence and your power in us. Amen. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.